hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Cotton in the Rocket Ship. I am your host, Lennox Mars Jr. This is Season 2, Episode 18. And the name of this episode is called Education and uh, Why It's Important. So recently I, I spoke about in one of my pods about in the it was in the Black Charlatans pod about um, a gentleman called King Randall and he had he's opening a school um, for a group of at-risk youth boys I think it's called the the King Randall School for Boys X and it's in Georgia in Albany Georgia and he is um, doing great things with the group of kids and he's going to continue to increase the school and he had a conversation with Roland Martin and um, Roland Martin as an elder um, an older black man I wouldn't call him an elder he um, chastised him for he grant it was a lot of grandstanding but he chastised King Randall because King Randall didn't believe that black people shouldn't be voting or he just believed that that that's not his fight um which and he's right and i agree uh, i think in a nation right and i learned this from uh i learned this from uh minister farrakhan right in, in a nation right and i learned i always would wonder why mayors and the president would say you need to contact your black leadership and I just didn't it never dawned on me in, in that realm because in that framework because I always looked at the president as our uh, as our leader right I live in America the president is the the leader of the people right but you would often hear these presidents they would misspeak or maybe not it's not a misspeak but they would say things that kind of the light bulb went off of me. Or you would hear the mayor say something like, like you would hear like Julie, Rudy Giuliani, or sometimes you would even hear like um, Chris Christie would say something like, well, you guys need to get control of your communities, your leaders, your leaders, your leaders. And I'm like, aren't you the governor? Or aren't you the, aren't you the president? You know, and they say, your elected leaders failed you. And you're like, what? I'm like, maybe they have failures, but thinking on a larger scale that black people are really a, um, a nation state. Um, and I learned this from the uh, listening to a uh, a segment on on race in different colonial countries, right? Where there's Africans. So there was one in particular where there was a group of, of black folks in England and they were like... Um, first generation, second generation British, but they were from like Jamaica. And they were saying that we are still considered an ethnic group. And because we still considered an ethnic group, we don't have the power, we don't have the economic power or we don't have the political power to make things shift. And he was like, it's a little different in America where there's over 40 million people, right? So there, you know, you, you can galvanize that. And I never, it never dawned on me that way, right? And and that's why it, it's always important to have these dialogues and these conversations from a lot of people from different walks of life, and 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 especially Africans are part of the diaspora. 
because there's a dossier from J. Edgar Hoover that never wanted African-Americans to have any association with Africa whatsoever because it, he knew that it would have been a detriment to American society, American economy, um, just in general. But moving right along. Um, so that woke me up to it. So I believe black people can do a lot of good without um, always begging the government. And, and I'm saying this truthfully. I, I believe that we are attached to the teeth of the government for a lot of things, especially voting. We have been um, coalesced and we've been divorced from the actual the actual premise of voting. We're supposed to vote to get resources. Every time a politician come around, they get the black vote in in addition to something that we don't want, right? They give us things that we don't want or there's nothing there's no bargaining chips for us, right? We might get some elected officials, but there's no bargaining chips. There's no resources that come into the community. There's no jobs that come into the community where we can say this is a tangible 30% of the community or 50% of the community when this elected official came in were employed or something with numbers to back um, uh, the reason we voted for this individual. It doesn't. It, it's more so the reason we vote is to keep Republicans out of office. The reason we vote is because we're going to lose more of of what little we have, right? <laughs> it's like, it's stupid. It's, it's, it's asinine to... to, to to really and that's why I kind of do that I kind of I'm a little jaded by American politics and 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 it's funny that I'm jaded by American politics and I have a a degree a master's degree in public administration but I believe that we can provide services to people in need using the government or providing services that the government needs in order to to create a relationship of give and take and where we are providing a service where we can get paid for. But back to King Randall. And um, I think he's doing great work. And he calls himself a conservative, but I really think he's 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 more of an independent. Um, but titles aside, he's doing great work. And he, he had this conversation with Roland Martin, an older black man. And he, Roland Martin, it... He resembled the old guard of black men who don't who don't do their duty of ushering in the newer generation. They he he positions himself as a gatekeeper um, in our community, and those gatekeepers who are positioned in our community they get paid by the dominating society to 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 prevent certain things from happening or just to be in these positions of these pseudo positions of power to make it seem that he's larger than what he is and there's a lot of people like that there's a lot of us um, a lot of our community like that um, but back to the education piece the reason why I like King Randall's premise is because I came from a a similar background of schooling and I came from the Chad school system so those who don't know the Chad school system was one of a kind it was one of at the time probably one of one 
of black schools created with black children in mind, created for black empowerment, and totally black ran dollars. It was the first of its kind. Of course, now they have multiple schools, and we still need more, but there's Jalen Rose. He had a school. Um, Diddy had a school. I believe he still has a school. Um, Of course, LeBron James has a school, the I Promise, which he's doing wonderful things. And then there's the emergence of these charter schools that's popping up, but those are more like state dollars. But the Chad school system was, um, was private dollars, funded and owned by black people and um, it first started out after the Newark riots in the 1960s it was funded by the BYO which is the black youth organization Um, they started out with a very small number of schools kind of sort of like King Randall a a certain I'm sorry a certain small number of students and then their first class was in 1986 and they would continue to, to, to propel this initiative, right? They started out with a STEM program. So for those who don't know what STEM is, it's um, science, technology, engineering, math. Those are the STEM sciences in, in, in America. And so they came out with the premise that they were going to teach black students the sciences. And this is in the 80s they started doing this. They were going to teach them the sciences. And they were doing the STEM program before it was even called STEM. Um, And it was successful. And when I tell you that the school was very successful, it, 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 it was... I ended up going to the Chad schools um, my high school years because there was two schools. It was Little Chad and it was Big Chad. It was a small school. The Little Chad was for grades kindergarten through sixth and then seventh eighth from seventh eighth on was like the high school so some people would transition from little chad all the way to big chad which is sad chad science academy and they would then go on to graduate so i started my my chad school history with in the high school right and the reason I started high, uh, high school is because my mom felt as though that um, the streets would take me. <laughs> she said she, she, she truthfully felt as though like the, the streets would take me and I would be lost. Um, and she and for good reason. I, I, um, at that point in time, I, I, I didn't have any, I was always a smart kid, always had good grades, but I just didn't have the interest in school or the interest of propelling yourself. If, you were, if I was to talk to my younger self, and they would ask me, would I have gone to college and, and accomplished the things I did? I wouldn't imagine that because I had, I had my dad telling me that you're going to go to college, which it was important. I had my mom telling me that, you know, you should go to college and you're going to go to college. But as, as the environment didn't, didn't allow or take to that, right? I didn't know anybody who said they were going to college. I didn't know anybody who graduated from college. The closest thing I, I had to that at the time was my... Um, my my cousin Marv and he graduated from like I think ITT Tech with a, a a computer like technical certificate, which is an accomplishment for myself. But I knew I knew no one with a four year institution. And then my um sister would then graduate 
from DeVry later on, but I was, I'm the first person who, to graduate from a, uh, a four-year institution with a four-year bachelor's degree, and then I'm the first one in the family with a master's degree. Um, so I didn't have anyone to, to look up to or even ask these questions. But moving right along, the Chad school system, it prepared those for pre-med sciences. And when I tell you the Chad school system has pumped out doctors, engineers, lawyers, I'm still meeting alumni from the Chad schools who are, are people of, of prominence and note. It, it was... It was groundbreaking for, of its time. And it unfortunately, it, it um, shut down in 2005. I was the last class in 2005. But the school was so phenomenal. And what I mean phenomenal is that I didn't know what I was embarking on because I the school was is smack dab in the hood, right? The, the school was smack dab in, in the numbers. And so the running joke for anywhere in America, especially in Newark, is that if you're in the numbers, right, if you're in the 5th Street, 4th Street, 3rd Street, North 3rd, South 19th, if you're in any of the numbers... And this goes for if I'm in Tennessee, if I'm if I'm hitting a number block and it's an all black, it's the hood. If you're in Martin Luther King or Muhammad Ali or Malcolm X, unfortunately, these are heroes, but it, it's the hood. Um, so our um, our school was on 16th Ave and South 7th Street. And so it was smack dab in, in the heart of the hood. But. This school was magnificent. In in those halls and in that school, you met everyone from the diaspora, right? Our Spanish teacher, Brother Manuel, was from Puerto Rico. Our, our computer teacher was Jamaican. It was Brother Errol. Our history teacher was his wife, Sister Janet. Um, and she was also Jamaican. Our physics teacher was... Sister Eunice, which was Guyanese. Our math teacher was Brother Michael, which he was Guyanese as well. Our English teacher was Brother Vibert. He was Guyanese. Our um, our assistant vice principal was Sister Dolores. She was American, but she was African-American. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the distinction because he's all Africans, right? But they're all from the different part of diaspora and they were doing great work, right? Brother Eward was another, um, he was the headmaster or he was like the superintendent of the schools. And he was another one who, he was from an island as well, but I I, I didn't know because I never really got to speak to him. Um, even Sister Gaines, when she took over the school as principal, she's don't know what she was I believe she was American as well but this brother Pat American now mind you these are um the pioneers of this school was very they were very exact in when they created the school because they believed in the mission of educating their own people and there's there's a pride to it right I never had to deal with racism 
in when I was being educated by my by my own, right? And it was always it's comforting now that I think about it to to see that like Brother Arrow, this guy was um he not only taught computer science, but he taught physics at at a time. He taught math at a time. And this this man was brilliant. And he he did computer coding. He taught us um QBasic. There wasn't much that he couldn't do. Like, you know, like I just couldn't fathom like not knowing that he, he didn't know. These are these are brilliant people. And to see brilliant African people from different walks of life, whether they were from St. Kitts or they were from Guyana, they were from Suriname, they were from Jamaica, they were from America, they're from the like you met so many different people, like Sister Betty, Brother Leon. It, these these people are um they were like rock stars to me now. I'm, I'm thinking about it, Brother Pat, and we call them brother, right? And I'm saying this now because that, that it it lends its hand to having respect for your own. When when an elder walked into the room, all the students stood up. They greeted the the brother, the sister that walked in. And they tell you to sit down. It was just respect. So now when you walk out of that school, you have a respect for your people that that it's almost like long lost, right? It's the only times I can really think about having that type of respect or on a day-to-day basis was was either in the Chad schools or in the South, right? You meet some people in the South and it's good afternoon, it's good evening, and it you give your people the respect they deserve but also it's the psychological fact and the impact of these people are educating you because they know the potential that you have and and sometimes in when you're being educated by other races they have a judgment or they make a character assessment on how much you can learn or how they think you can can how much information you can take right they don't think you're smart enough and I've encountered that in when in learning. I've encountered that. And if I didn't have that foundation, they would I would have felt that it was okay for them to think that I'm that I didn't have the, the mental acumen to succeed. Maybe it was just because I was I wanted to be lazy and it was nothing, it's nothing wrong with my aptitude to learn. It's just maybe I'm not being pushed. And they won't push me because they think that this is the limit that, uh, you know, Lennox may have. And that's a that's it. To be taught by your own and to have education or to see someone being successful and doing the things you do. And and this is why I, I like the premise of King Randall. And and I always said when I when I fundraise and I, I get my endeavors out the way and I amass this money, I will do something. I will have a school like the Chad school system and I will replicate it almost the same exact way. I pay maybe, maybe not be able to use the name, but best believe I will be <laughs> I will use um the teachings of that school because it 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 was a powerful school and it it produced doctors, lawyers, engineers, you name it, dentists. They they've got it. And and this was from it was before 1986, but I would say the inception of, it was 1986 till to 2005. 
And so they had had a tremendous history. And, and some of the background to the Chad schools was that the, the founders received death threats. And that's why some of the, the history is marred because in, in so much suffering is because they, they spent a lot of time and energy producing a school just to educate students of their own and, and, and educate them the way they should be educated. And they received death threats. That, that school, the, uh, the, the founders received death threats. They received bomb threats. Um, this is a school I'm talking about. This is a school with children. And um, it tell you the message that's sent when you're able to educate your own. And, and other races may not have that issue, right? Because they have schools of their own. And, and, and that lends a hand to... to to why certain cultures and certain communities come over to America and they do well because they the absence of racism doesn't just it doesn't it isn't just like sticks and stones right it it permeates the soul it permeates and and it caps and it encapsulates the person and it hurts the victim and the, the wielder of those words, right? And it, it has a lot to do. It affects it affects your money. It affects what you believe yourself, the child's self-efficacy and how they can do this work or they believe in themselves. Like all all children need is reassurance, right? If you put them in the right environment and give them the right tools, they'll be successful. And, I, and a lot of people know that. Our enemies know that. But their job is to make it as hard as possible to educate our own. And so to have that school, um, I'm, I'm constantly reminded that I wouldn't be the person I am today or I wouldn't even be doing this podcast or, or anything like that because of, of the Chad school system. And, and the, the level of education and, and the energy that the people brought for me. Like, they brought it every day. And they, they were underpaid. <laughs> you know, like, the, 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 the staff was underpaid. The tuition was low. But the, the wealth of, of knowledge that was in that building was powerful. And I, and I wish that school would be open again because I would send my child to the Chad school system because I, without a doubt, I don't have, I wouldn't have any apprehension. I wouldn't have any appreh- apprehension of sending my, my son to that school from little Chad on because I know that there's going to be people who care for him because the, they used to always say it takes a village. And it was. I remember growing up and going to Sister Dolores' funeral and she was the assistant vice principal for a long time. We used to always butt heads but, you know, I, I loved that woman. You know, she was a heavy set, light-skinned woman. She wore these big um, framed glasses with like a pink hue and I used to always have like jokes on her but she used to joke on me back. But she really cared about our, our education and when we went to a funeral, I spoke to um, Sister Gaines and I spoke to Sister Adifulu. And I went to 
I um because I I graduated with her her daughters with one of her daughters I should say um, in that 2005 class and when they saw me they asked me what am I what was I doing and I, I had just I think I had just graduated and I I told them this is what I wanted to do and I, I wanted to work in government and she said you sure you're not sure but fast forwarding those those women prayed over me it's nothing like having that I think up to this day there's there's some very powerful moments in my life like where I felt courageous or I felt like I can do anything in the world some of them when I graduated some of them when I won basketball games and but nothing to me um spiritually I should say um oh well, I would say one of the joyous moments was was my son being born, but I would say spiritually of like feeling um it it was indescribable to have the matriarchs pray over you. And that and, and and I would never forget that day because it was a day it was a day that I felt sad for the family of Sister Dolores. And um because we, we we held together as a family and for them to have so much concern about my life after school, right? My life after after college. Even when the school was completely shut down, they still cared enough. Like I, I bumped into Sister Margaret. If it wasn't for Sister Margaret, I wouldn't I wouldn't know what to do as far as filling out paperwork and bus tickets and even getting into college. having pretty much no guidance on the guided council but she's writing as many free fee waivers as I could in order to apply to schools because I didn't have the money to to pay $25 and $50 for an application fee and that's the family orientation we we had in the Chad school system and I see that King Randall is, is bringing that to those kids is that he's giving them He's educating them, but he's giving it them in a way that's um, beneficial to the African, right? Because there's no pedagogy on on cultural learning, and a lot of people who come over here in the United States they do well because they have that foundation of knowing that they don't have the apprehension of, of dealing with race, right? So. One thing I would say, right, for my Nigerian brothers and sisters that that come over here is that they're smart because they have, they don't, they never had to deal, and and that's not just the Nigerians, but I say the Nigerian brothers and sisters and the Ghanaians because they they are um, the leading medical professionals, the leading engineers um, here in America now, like as far as like a, a ethnic group. But I say this because they come over here, one, and, and some of the Western Indians too, but they, let me just keep on track, task with the Nigerians. They come over here and their, their limit or their, um, their racialized component is very minimal. Racism bogs you down. The longer you, you're here in America, it, it takes a toll on you. 
it, it, it really do take a toll on you. Like I was just recently listening to a Korean um, gamer looking sad, talking about racism, especially in COVID now. And he's, you know, he's in the, the South and, he, and he's like, man, it's nothing like this racism here is, is real. And he was trying to explain that in his, his native tongue in Korean. And it's the same thing with our brothers and sisters in Nigeria. Is there racism? I'm sure there's racism in Nigeria, but it's different when you see a sea of black faces. You may not have had the resources, but you've had the schooling, you've had the preparation, you might you know multiple languages, you have a, a historical foundation of where your people come from, village. You don't have to deal with a lot of the baggage of racism. So you can come over here and excel. And then the some of the racism that you do deal with. It's on a pre-facia basis because they don't know you. You have that foundation. You're being pushed by your 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 community. You're being pushed by by people who look like you that you know that you, that this doesn't define you. But it's different for someone who who's a child of the diaspora and who have to fight for everything, who had to fight for their being or their place here, and so. Part of it is, is that you come into a place that was some of the table was already set, right? It might not have been the best table, but the table was already set from from us. So I'm not trying to create like a, a division, but we can see why other community and I can see that, too, as being first generation African-American. I don't have the same historical um, knowledge. It's similar from coming from Guyana, right? But it's similar, but when I talk to my American friends, they have a history and they have an attachment to this piece of land that's different because I'm coming over as an, as, as a, fa- a, a first-generation immigrant, right? So I don't have the same attachment to the land as they do. I don't have the same historical t- attachment because remember, the trauma is passed down from father to son, mother to daughter, throughout the years so they adapt uh, being american is a way of life i came through with a, a a different set of cultural values um which is similar to to um being african-american which is very similar i think being african from from nigeria west africa to the the caribbean to the americas it, it's similar but you can watch from Africa to the Caribbean as we were able to keep some Africanisms that was shaved off and then you come to America where they damn near strips you down to the bone so that detachment from other people who look like you it's 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 there I'm speaking I've spoken to several of my um American friends who who've been in here from uh, five, six, ten, nine generations in, right? Straight off South Carolina, Geechee, 1619, 1700s. These, these people been here from the beginning, from the inception. So they, they've, they've been away from Africa for so long and they weren't able to keep a lot. It's still there. It's still there, but you have to search and find it. And so 
as the longer you stay here in America, the more tainted you become with this racism. So I'm, I'm just saying that I'm not as tainted with the American type of racism, right? Even though first generation, I've, I've been through it all a lot, but I was able to get some foundation from my parents to say like, listen, you don't have to deal with this, right? Like they'll tell you like, listen, you, you, you don't come from this. Like you, we walk around like this, like prideful, you know, even down to my dad and, and uncles used to tell us like, man, listen, we used to kill our slave masters. <laughs> you, they, they say stuff like that. Um, but all, you know, violence aside, it gives you some, some context to, to your, it gives you some context to this, this, um, to living in America, right? And because America likes to sweep everything under the rug, like, oh yeah, 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 that's it, that, you know. It, uh, that's why I have a command of the his of history, or um, I'm always trying to learn about our history, because we each have parts and parcels of this uh, uh, of our history, and if we we hold on to it and not share it, the same things is going to to come to pass on people who look like us, right? And is and that's just for everyone. In general, if we don't share our history, if if I didn't say that I'm from Diana and this was what happened, like I was talking to um, one of my my friends from Haiti, and and we we compared notes of the 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 revolution with Tucson and Dessaline, right, the Haitian revolution, and I told them that there was a revolution that happened in Diana, but the reason why a lot of these in of course, Nat Turner is a reason why these things um, weren't successful. Is because after the fight, you still have to do business. <laughs> you still, and that's the education part. After the fight, you still have to do business. Even with Jamaica, right, Nanny Town, the the um, the Maroons had to cut a deal with the the the, the British and the Spanish Crown to to even. To, to be left alone and then to to come to the aid to help enslave more new Africans it's that that's how prevalent these this this thing is so the education piece is always important for us and when I when I say the Chad school system was important and why they received death threats is because they know that when you produce true education and independence, it, it comes with, it, it, it doesn't come with subjugation. The, the schooling today in the public schools teach subjugation. They don't teach freedom. They teach how you can be a cog in the wheel. They teach, they don't even teach you how home economics anymore, home ec, taxes. They don't teach you all the things that you need to succeed. They don't, they don't, they still teaching you and even when I went to school in high school, we were so big on getting into college. There wasn't no skill trade. We, the most we had was a drafting class, which was cool. But they weren't teaching you any, telling you about the skill trades because that wasn't what it was designed for. 
but the education is, is so important and for King Randall to do that it's dangerous and that's why you would get a gatekeeper like Roland Martin to to chastise him and try to to belittle his movement or belittle the, the, the things that he's doing because it's very powerful perhaps to see someone who looks like you to be a role model and to educate you and to tell and tell you these things I I I had to bump my head as an entrepreneur. I didn't have anybody to 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 really to tell me how things are going. Like I had to to watch YouTube. And, and and then when I got to a point, that's when people started to come along and I can I can compare notes and contrast. And that's kind of like the same thing when you're dealing with um colonization. The, there's a there's a part where you're stripped from access you strip the the education you have to you have to then synthesize the material read the material and then apply it and i wouldn't have had the 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 ability to do all this if i didn't have the educational foundation or believe in myself from the Chad school system. Because I can honestly say, I remember Sister Eunice telling me, like, I used to just raise my hand, like, yo, what's this? And she like, come on, brother, you got to give it a try. Like, you're not even trying. Like, you, you. She was like one of the first teachers to tell me, like, yo, stop raising your hand. Like, don't raise your hand until you're ready to, until you, you've tried this out. As opposed to, like, raising your hand to ask questions. I should have already done the work done the legwork and then raise my hand and I learned that brother Errol was one of the first people to tell me about college he said man when you get to college these grades that you're getting is going to be different there's an adjustment period college is a lot faster sister brother Errol and sister Janet was the ones who tell me that college is, is tremendously faster because schools aren't set up to tell to teach you how to succeed in college each step is harder than the next when it's supposed to be a seamless transition. The pedagogy is wrong. And that's built by design. But we need to share this information and prepare ourselves as a community for what's to come. But we can't do that in our silos. That's why I always preach that we need to get multiple types of friends because the, the experience is shared. This is this. I wanted to get into talking about uh, Dr. Cornell West, but that's going to be for another time, too, because in the education piece, I was just talking about King Randall. But I wanted to talk about Dr. Cornell West, too. But that's coming up because um, it's important that our leaders stop it's important that our leaders give back to the youth give back to our own and stop trying to chase prestige from a place that don't want us but this is Cotton in the Rocket Ship peace